gather. Welcome to church. Thanks for being with us today. My name is Josh, and I'm the pastor here. Uh, I'm going to be totally honest with you. I like to be as honest as I can with you. Um, our church camera that we normally film these things, it, it just broke a little bit. I think I can fix it, but not right now. And I'm filming this on my phone, and I don't know how much storage I have on my phone. I have thousands and thousands of pictures of Ellis and Henry, and I don't know how much storage I have for this sermon. So we're going to try to make this quick, okay? I'm going to have my notes. We're going to get through it. Thank you for being willing. If you see my brain turning, uh, I might be trying to cut some stuff out of my sermon so that we can catch this whole thing uh, today. But... Before we get started with our teaching, we're going to do like we always do, and we're going to participate in our confession of faith. Uh, this is an open declaration of the kind of faith uh, we want to have and the kind of community we want to be, and so I'll say this confession of faith on our behalf and then speak a prayer for us. So gather, this is the faith we are seeking. We are seeking an expansive faith. We believe our theological system should always be growing wider and including more we are seeking a faith rooted in the person and the practice of Jesus. We believe Jesus is God and is worthy of our worship and our imitation. We are seeking a faith built on a foundation of theological minimalism. We believe in holding tight to the first things of faith and living open-handed with the rest. We are seeking a faith marked by curiosity. We believe we should always have more questions than we do answers. And we are seeking a faith filled with compassion. We believe our beliefs are never more important than the person right in front of us. So gather as we prepare to open the scriptures. Let's say a prayer together. God, we are here as seekers, not seeking answers, but seeking wisdom, not seeking doctrine, but seeking a way of life inspired by the radical love of Jesus Christ. Amen. So we're going to get right into it today. Today is our third week in our teaching uh, from Jesus's Sermon on the Mount. And we're teaching through the Sermon on the Mount because we're spending our year 2023 as a year with Jesus focusing solely on the teaching of Jesus. What did Jesus say and do? And uh, just to give a little bit of recap, we started with the Beatitudes in the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the poor in spirit is how it starts. And we talked about those Beatitudes, not as an exhaustive to-do list, but as Jesus seeing the humanity in front of him and saying, you, as you are, you who are seeking peace, you who are mourning, you who are being persecuted, you who are tired, you who are meek, you're, you who are poor in spirit, you as you are, are already treasured by God. And then Jesus goes on and says, and you who are already treasured by God, you are the light of the world. And I don't think this is about evangelism. I think it's about identity that Jesus is saying, you don't have a light. You don't receive a light for good behavior or right belief. You are are the light. This is who you are. So don't hide it. Don't put it under anything. Set it up on the top of the hill. Let everyone see who you really are. Don't hide your true self. God does not require that you hide or cover up any part of who you are. That is the beginning uh, of Jesus's message. That is the introduction. That's the foundation by which all the rest of it sits on. You are already treasured by God and you don't have to hide any of who you are. This is how Jesus starts. And then uh, he hits this transitional statement because he's about to start giving some teaching, some instruction. And Jesus says, do not think I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Right? He's saying, I I'm not trying to blow up everything, right? I'm here to tell you what the point has always been. But when Jesus says to this crowd of Jewish folks, uh, do not think I have come to abolish the law. It's kind of a hint that what he's about to say 
is going to sound a little bit like abolishing the law, but it's about to be really radical and maybe hard to hear. It's like when someone starts a conversation with you by saying, hey, no offense, but you know what always follows? Something pretty offensive. And so when Jesus says, don't think I've come to abolish, it's because he knows what he's about to say is going to trigger their brains to think, this guy's trying to throw out everything that we've stood for. And so we're going to read some of this next section from the Sermon on the Mount. This is a section that Jesus begins to do some uh, instructive teaching, some didactic teaching. And I'll tell you what I think Jesus is doing here. So this is still Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 21. Jesus says, you have, heard it, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Verse 25, settle matters quickly with your adversary. And then he, so he starts with murder, casual here. And then Jesus says, verse 27, you've heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery. Murder, adultery. And then verse 31, it has been said, anyone who divorces his wife must have a certificate of divorce. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality makes her the victim of adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Right? Divorce. And you, you might see these, um, these themes begin to connect uh, to the Ten Commandments, right? So you have coveting your neighbor's wife, murder. These are important ideas to this Jewish community. And remember that Matthew is painting Jesus as the new kind of Moses, giving a new kind of law. Now Jesus is beginning to critique the Ten Commandments, the foundational pillars of Jewish faith. Verse 33, again, you, you have heard it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. In other words, thou shalt not bear false witness. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by earth. Do not swear at all. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Then verse 38, you have heard that it was said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. Murder, adultery, divorce, lying, revenge. And then as the siren goes by, a nice summation in verse 43, you have heard it was it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Right, it's a lot. Jesus is making a strong critique of a religious system. If you stand up in front of a bunch of religious people and quote their religious text and say, you've heard it said, but I tell you something different. That is a strong critique. Right? You have heard it said could be translated as, I know you believe it to be true that, I know you believe it to be true that you shouldn't murder, but what I tell you is that you also shouldn't be angry. These are big, strong, radical statements. But let me tell you what I think, what I think Jesus is doing here. So what I think Jesus is doing is that he's juxtaposing religious fundamentalism with what I think could be called the way of true transformation. So it's religious fundamentalism with the way of transformation. And fundamentalism is what Jesus is born into, Jewish religious fundamentalism. It's legalism to its core. It's following the exact letter of the law, black and white, no nuance, no room for disagreement. If you set, step outside the small box that is created for you in terms of your theology, your faith, your practice, if you step outside of that box of those boundaries, you are 100% wrong. 
religious fundamentalism. And Jesus says, I know you have a belief inside of this fundamental box, but I say to you something different. And the reason Jesus is critiquing fundamentalism is because fundamentalism ultimately doesn't deal with the real problems. So let's look at these. Murder, adultery, divorce, lying, revenge, and loving your enemy. It's quite a list. And I think you can feel the juxtaposition here, right? So Jesus says, religious fundamentalism says you shall not kill, which is a good rule. But the real problem is that you still nurse anger and accusation and judgment towards others. So the way of transformation would be to be reconciled to those whom you harbor anger against. Fundamentalism just says don't kill people. But transformation says you should be reconciled to those who you're angry towards. Religious fundamentalism says don't commit adultery. Again, fine rule. But the real problem is that you still have these fantasies and and your lustful looking continues. So the way of transformation is then to change the way you see the world. Not just this outer thing, but change the way you see the world. Religious fundamentalism says that men can divorce their wives with the appropriate paperwork. But the real problem is that this is one-sided adultery. So the way of transformation then is to seek equality and equity inside a relationship. Religious fundamentalism says don't take oaths. But the real problem is that those oaths are a way to pledge loyalty to an external system. So instead, the way of transformation would be to keep your language personal and simple. Just let your yes be a yes. Religious fundamentalism says that an eye for an eye is a form of justice. But the real problem is that an eye for an eye isn't justice, it's just vengeance. So therefore, if you want to seek the way of transformation, turn the other cheek and don't play that game at all. Religious fundamentalism says it's okay to love your neighbor, your family, and then ignore and hate everyone else. But the problem is that that keeps our love too small. So the way of transformation then is to love the outsider and to practice praying for them, wanting good for them. Right? It's a juxtaposition of fundamentalism and transformation. Let me give you a couple ways to think about this because there's a lot of information all at once, I understand. This is a conversation, Jesus is having a conversation about our inner world and our outer world. And fundamentalism is primarily concerned with our outer world. But our real problems in life are often about our inner world. Fundamentalism is really concerned with how you present yourself, how you seem, how others perceive you. The old joke is that if you take two Baptists fishing, that you you have to take two Baptists fishing because if you just take one, they'll drink all your beer. Because Fundamentalism is an outer world thing. It's about external behaviors. Fundamentalism says, um, don't kill, uh, don't cheat on your partner, don't lie. Those are outer things. That's behavior in our world. That's your Sunday best, your good manners, outer world. And honestly, those things shouldn't be that hard. Shouldn't be that hard to not cheat on your partner or kill the guy who lives three doors down. But the way of transformation that Jesus is speaking to 
demands that we take our inner world more or as seriously as our outer world. That anger, that inability to speak the whole truth, that lust and desire that we hold, our need to get payback or revenge, the apathy we feel for those suffering whom we do not know. Those are inner world things. That's not about how you present yourself. That's not about how others perceive you. Those are the things happening in your internal operating system. That is your heart. And the call here from Jesus is to take our inner world as or more seriously than our outer world. Right? To seek the way of transformation, not just fundamentalism. Another way to say, that, to say this is that there is always a thing behind the thing. When we make bad decisions, when we act out in anger, when we withhold truth, when we cross the line in any number of ways, that behavior is a symptom of something else happening. Maybe it's the fear of abandonment. Maybe it's the need for validation. But there is always a thing behind the thing. And that's what Jesus is speaking to here. Don't spend all your time on behavior management. Dig a little deeper. Ask the harder questions. What is driving all of this? What are my real motivations? What do I actually want? There is a thing, our inner world, behind our outer world. And if we want to do more than just follow a set of rules, if we want a more expansive way of being, if we want to get out of our box and actually be transformed, we'll have to seek that way of transformation. So for you, are you more concerned with your outer world or your inner world? And you could kind of evaluate if your religion and your spirituality is primarily based in how you present outwardly. Is this about, is this whole thing, participating, your religion, your spirituality, is it about how you present? Is it about good manners and Sunday best? Or are you willing to really seek transformation? And I wonder what it would look like for you to dig a little bit deeper this week. I think maybe it could just be um, the practice of compassion. That you could show yourself some compassion and other people compassion. That when something is done to you that offends you, maybe you could pause and ask, try to figure out, what is the thing behind the thing here? Why did they respond this way? What's going on with them? Are they okay? And then ask yourself, why did that offend me so much? What's going on with me and what's going on with them? What is the thing behind the thing? Or if you mess up, if you act out in anger, if you're judgmental, if you withhold the truth, those are serious things. But before you beat yourself up, offer a little bit of compassion and ask yourself, why did I do that? What is the thing behind the thing? Jesus is critiquing the religious systems of his day that were only concerned with these outer external behaviors. Right? Jesus is saying, dig a little deeper, ask the harder question. That is the way towards transformation. But gather the real question for all of this, inner world, outer world, the thing behind the thing. The real question is, do you want to change? 
Change is hard and change is scary and change is slow. And if you aren't willing to take a step out of that box of beliefs and practices, then you probably won't change. If you aren't willing to evaluate your real desires and your real anger and your judgment, those real internal problems, all that internal difficult stuff, if you aren't willing to look at that, you probably won't change. But if you are brave enough to plant yourself in the safety and security of your belovedness, don't forget that that's how this whole message starts, that you are already treasured. No conditions, no exceptions, already treasured. You plant yourself firmly in the safety and the security of your belovedness. And then from that place, look inward at all that pain and all that grief and all that trauma. Look inward at the anger you hold, at the judgment, at the fear. And if you're willing to look at those things, the thing behind the thing, your inner world, if you're willing to take Jesus's words seriously, then with time and with help and with courage, you will be transformed. And so gather, this is my prayer for us today. May you leave behind any religious desire to be presentable and instead be willing to be transformed. May it be so. Amen. Gather, I love you. I hope to see you soon. Go in peace.